If you want a great conversation with a Philadelphia sports figure you should know more about, listen to One on One with Matt Leon on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. When tragic mass shootings like Buffalo or Uvalde happen, there is wall-to-wall coverage across all types of media. We wanted to dig into that coverage. What are reporters, newspapers, networks getting right, getting wrong? Should the media be doing things differently to get across just how awful this scourge of gun violence is? And is everyday gun violence, which we've almost become numb to, getting covered properly? For this conversation, we caught up with Dr. Jason Gravel. He is an assistant professor in the Department of Criminal Justice at Temple University. How would you rate how the media does covering mass shootings? I think it's improved a lot. I I think there's been some lessons that have been learned since even going all the way back to Columbine and but especially since Sandy Hook, I think there is more of an appreciation of on the part of the media of sure we need to inform the public you know what costs we got to be careful about how we portray these shooters how we portray you know the situations how quickly we're looking for answers and so you know I, I think it's a lot better there's always you know room for improvement I kind of have a similar question how would you rate the job the media does covering gun violence overall, just kind of the, and I hate to use the term kind of run of the mill, but every day there's a shooting, there's a shooting death. How would you rate that? Kind of the same, or do you look at that differently? Well, we know from research that there's a lot of discrepancies in terms of who they, you know, what kind of stories do they choose to, that makes it on the news or that they choose to portray, depending on, you know, who the victim is, you know, what their circumstances are. News organizations are very picky about the type of gun violence that they portray. I don't know that what they portray is necessarily a good representation of what the actual diversity of of situations where that happened, of locations, of people involved. There's a lack of representativeness of the actual problem when they are discussing gun violence. They focus on mass shootings and things like that. But, you know, gun violence happens. It's it's happening as we speak, like it's happening right now. Probably it's pretty good guess that someone is getting shot right now. And that's really sad. It's difficult. It's a difficult task that the media has to do. But uh, I think in terms of overall gun violence, there there seems to be, you know, going back to the tropes all the time, going back to the same kind of solution. Where's gun control? Where are the Republicans and all of this stuff? And. And, you know, it's a lot more complicated than that. I want to pivot back to mass shootings because I'm curious when we first started to have these on kind of a regular basis, the name of the shooter would be one of the first things that would be on the bottom of the screen. And we would get these deep dives into the childhood and all that kind of stuff. I do feel like that's been pulled back a lot. There's been a conscious effort to shy away from that is that the correct thing to do Do, like do we first of all like do we have data that shows that showcasing the shooter or really focusing on the shooter leads to copycats so one of the things that a lot of studies have looked at is this aspect of 
we know that some shooters were inspired by previous incidents and, you know, they want the fame, the attention, um, and they see that as a way to get it. And there is kind of evidence even that some of these shooters look at what's happened before and they want to outdo the previous one. I think there is some evidence that there's like copycats, that there is some contagion, if you will, of, you know, when one happened, there tends to be a few more, uh, but this evidence is really weak. It's very, very weak because as, as crazy and disgusting these events are, they still are, statistically speaking, relatively rare. They're way too frequent compared to what they should be. But, you know, in order to really show that something is, you know, beyond the shadow of a doubt <laughs> from a scientific standpoint, uh, there's just so few data points that we can look at. So that being said, do you think we're at the right level of attention slash information? Because I, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you the name of the Buffalo shooter. I couldn't tell you the name of the Uvalde shooter. Just before we we got on this call, I was just trying to think about, you know, do I know the names of those those shooters? And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't recall. And that's probably a good thing. I think it's grotesque, but I think it might be where we are in our gun culture. Should we show pictures in some of these cases of of victims? Does our society need to see what these guns do to people? I have thought about this quite a bit in the last few weeks. It's a difficult question to answer because I understand what you're saying. I know what you're like. People need to know, not that it was there were, you know, 10, 15, 20 people killed, but know who these people are and how they died. It's horrible. And in the abstract, you can say like, okay, like, you know, 19 kids died. It's it's a tragedy. It's, you know, you can chuck it up to statistics kind of thing. But if you see it on the TV, it's a different, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to say like, to kind of ignore it, to kind of brush it under the, the carpet. And we, you know, we do that when there's war zones. We do that, you know, the photographers and journalists get prizes for documenting war zones and showing dead bodies on the street because that's what happens and because that's what is you know going on in these areas well you know when these types of things happen here that's the same thing you people need to know what the impact is i think it's a slippery slope i i don't know that i trust necessarily every member of the media to really do that properly there has to be a larger conversation about how these shootings are portrayed from the victim's standpoint. You mentioned earlier, you know, we're talking about coverage and the, you know, we get into the gun control and what this side said, what this side said. How much of a disservice are they by elevating these ridiculous arguments that are made to just take the attention away from guns and kind of framing it like it's a, well, it's just another typical gridlock debate in, in Washington. Back to you. Yeah. I'll do my full disclosure that I'm, I'm Canadian <laughs> and I, I've lived in the United States for almost 10 years now. So, so I'm used to it, but it's crazy. I mean, the, the notion, the notion that we always have to show both sides when one side is lives in fantasy land and the other one is trying to kind of go with reality statistics, data, 
you know, things we can plainly see is, is, is ridiculous. I think this is a generalized and, and it's a generalized issue in the media of, you know, have you heard what this guy has said now kind of thing. Right. And it seems like when mass shootings or, you know, things like that happen, it's that on steroids. It's like, okay, let's hear about all of as if they're looking for those to kind of show like, here's, here's what these people think. And I don't know that this is productive. I don't know. This is representative of most people's viewpoints, even the of Republicans' viewpoints. I don't think that they all are completely clueless about what should be done and how we should do it. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. I think that the always constant need to show the other side doesn't work in this context. We need to take a break. We will continue our conversation with Temple University's Dr. Jason Gravel right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back continuing our conversation on how the media covers mass shootings and gun violence. Our guest is Dr. Jason Gravel of Temple University. A lot of journalists, and I get it, I have to get the story quickly, they have to get, but we take what the police say at face value. And we're learning more and more that a lot of times what the police say isn't what actually happened. You saw that with the Uvalde shooting where every time they had a briefing, the story of changed significantly, you know, how do you handle the, you know, a lot of these situations where it becomes apparent pretty early that what the police have said isn't exactly how it happened? Yeah. I mean, I think Uvalde was a particularly egregious version of, of that where I remember watching it live and seeing, you know, the first few commentators spending more time talking about the bravery of the police officers than, you know, the victims themselves. And it was like, let's not, let's not get to the, you know, trauma that police officers experience right now. Like maybe that's not the time for it, but like you have this reflex of saying like, we, we were there, we did our best, this happened anyways, but you also have, yeah, like you're saying, we need that information and, and police departments are responsive to that. They, they, you know, they are, you know, they're asked all this information. And when they do these big press conferences, they do that because they can't like answer every single call of the media. I think it would be reasonable and everybody would accept like, look, we don't have, this is what we know for sure right now that we have verified and re-verified. We'll tell you this, the rest is going to come out in, you know, whenever we have this information. I think from the police standpoint, that would be the responsible thing to do. I would kind of be okay even if they didn't say anything. Just do do your job, do what you're you have to do, and and we'll take a few hours and and, and reconvene and, and maybe give a briefing. I, I think the problem is is a little bit more to do with how these news stories are being delivered, where you have a situation where you know nothing about the the, the, the event other than something horrible just happened. But you stay on the air on this story for hours and hours and hours. You got to fill this time. You got to you're going to go on Facebook, look at what this person that we think it might be involved. And sometimes that's not even the right person. There's a lot of the way that these stories are being covered with 24 hour kind of breaking news. And and we're we're not moving to any story until who knows when. I think that's problematic. I think that just it just fosters an environment where you have these speculations and you have these statements that are not completely accurate. I see very little 
Like they will put out a list. I've seen it multiple times, I think, on CNN. You know, the Senate is debating or there's a bipartisan group working what's on the table and what's off the table. And they'll list the bullet points. And that's a good starting point. But I would like to see, you know, raising the age to buy an assault weapon from 18 to 21. Well, how many crimes were committed for people 18, 19 and 20? Like, what would that do? You know, cutting the number of bullets allowed, whatever. You know, and kind of do a deep dive instead of just doing basically the horse race version of this deep dive into what these things would do. It seems to me that would be much more effective in the public understanding what is something that would make real change and what is just something that's being done to say that we did something. Right. You know, to your part of your question with regards to showing the effect, I mean, it's not that simple to do that easily and that quickly. But, you know, there are studies, you know, there are studies that show, you know, in some way, shape or form, like, what do minimum age, you know, when they change the age in one place from maybe 18 to 21, or the reverse, you can kind of have statistical model that show, okay, well, look at these, this small group of people that would have been able to purchase a gun, and now are no longer able to, and we can kind of follow, you know, whether or not there is kind of victimization that's involved in that group, or you know, if they are involved in crime. And and and, and there, there's some pretty good studies that show um, that different types of gun regulation can have some effects. Usually, age restriction and waiting periods are more kind of effective with preventing suicides than they are from preventing homicides or, you know, things like mass shootings. But we also don't know that very well because there's no funding for that kind of research. It's really difficult to even know how many shootings occur in this country because this is not the type of data that's being collected necessarily. We know how many people die from gunshots. We know how many people are arrested for homicides. We don't know how many people are shot. We don't have databases that shows us you know, injuries from firearms and things like that, not a national database. So I, I'm all for, I agree. I think we need to know a bit more about how specifically these laws are supposed to make a difference. I don't know if it's on the media necessarily to show that. I think it's it's on, it's on us as academic, as scientists to kind of demonstrate that. But at the same time, uh, these things take resources and time and it's never a simple answer. So I I agree that I would like to see a bit more discussion about like, what is this particular law really, what's the dent that's going to make, but that, that needs to come from, from scientists and that needs to come from funding for scientists to do this type of research. You know, we talked earlier on how the media kind of covers gun violence from a day to day, but is there an appreciation on kind of the cumulative buildup of this gun violence that happens Every day, I think we see it in Philadelphia. I think the media does a lot to to show it specifically in Philadelphia. But you know, overall, nationally, are we getting the context of how out of control gun violence is overall? I don't think we're getting the full context in, in the media, at least. You know, from my understanding of Philadelphia media coverage of gun violence, it's been very thorough and, and it's been pretty good. But I think nationally, some things that people don't don't understand is how many young people are 
killed as a result of a gunshot. And some of this is homicide. Some of them, this is, is suicide, accidents, you know, things where we don't know exactly what happened. If you look at the statistics for, you know, people between 15-year-old and 34-year-old, in 2020 alone, there's 19,603 people that died as a result of a gunshot. That's 26% of all the death for that age category. Of all the people that died between 15 and 34, 26% of them died from a gunshot. Now, if you start breaking that up by race, that percentage is you know, 18% for white Americans and 49% for African-Americans. And that's a crazy, it's a crazy statistics. We're, we're having our young people in this country die at incredible rate. It's, it's, it's insane how many people die from guns in this country. And I remember thinking during the pandemic that you have a situation where, you know, people are away from schools, from supermarkets, from most public places. And so you would think that mass shootings, at least kind of the popular conceptions of mass shootings uh, that most people have, you would think that those would have gone down because, you know, people are, kids are out of school. They went up. <laughs> they went up by a lot. In 2019, there, were, according to the gun violence database, there were 417 mass shootings in 2019. In 2020, there were 610. In 2021, there were 692. So the notion that these mass shootings occur in those big, you know, the schools or the public, you know, places like malls and things like that, hospitals, yeah, those happen. They're pretty spectacular from a media standpoint. But most of these mass shootings, they happen on street corners, that they, they happen on in parks, they happen in public. And the reason they become mass shootings is because people shoot and other people become collateral damages of this. We need to, to, to think about mass shootings and, and, and think about just gun violence as probably one of the most important preventable injury of you know this century. Like it's 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 some it's crazy that we're not doing anything meaningful to stop this and that we only talk about it when it happens in a school or when there's more than five, six, seven, eight, or, you know, dozens of people shot. It's insane because it happens every day. Um, when COVID hit, we had a counter on the screen that said how many people died of, of or were infected, or maybe we should have one of those counters. Maybe don't, don't let people forget about this because it happens, it's happening right now. It's happened probably a couple of times since we started talking. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.